You're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host. I've got uh, Kevin Chin, CEO of Vivo Power on the program. Uh, Vivo is a uh, leader in electric conversions for off-road and on-road fleets, helping industry meet their net zero targets. We'll ask Kevin how he helps his customers achieve net zero. Uh, Vivo is a certified B Corporation. It's also listed on NASDAQ. So, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting pairing. I I don't think I've uh, seen a a B Corporation listed on NASDAQ, but, you know, I'm not the expert in it. So we're going to ask Kevin about that and lots of other questions about the work that he's doing to help his customers achieve net zero. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Matt. And, uh, I appreciate the invites and great to be on on the show. Thanks again. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your your background and how you came to kind of the environmental movement. Uh, I I saw in your bio you had a bit of a corporate uh, background in in business and accounting. What what led you to the environmental space? Yeah, so I, I guess um, in terms of uh, outside of uh, business life, uh, even from an early age, um, I was uh, uh, one that spent a lot of time in the outdoors and particularly uh, underwater and uh, enjoyed diving, enjoyed uh, snorkeling uh, and, uh, you know, very passionate about uh, marine life. And um, you know, over the years, uh, I think from around uh, 2008, 2009, started to you know, see firsthand uh, some of the degradation um, in the ecosystems um, around around the world that you know that I'd go and I'd go and spend time in, and that also then sort of led to around that same time uh, understanding more about what was happening with the environment. Um, I think everyone's seen uh, the Al Gore documentaries, uh, and so that was you know really the genesis of. Uh, going down the rabbit warren, so to speak, in, in, in this space. And so since uh, 2013, 14, 10 years ago, uh, I've been looking for a way to get into the sector uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, energy and um, renewables uh, with a view to, you know, making making a small contribution to uh, to addressing climate change, and fast forward to today, we've uh, we, we've now got a business that spans a few different areas, you know, including the conversion of uh, utility vehicles, which is one of the largest segments of uh, the transportation sector globally. So, uh, what uh, what brought you to doing electric conversions? I haven't uh, seen companies uh, doing that exactly. I, you know, we all know of Tesla and and their success. Uh, what uh, what made you go in this direction? And describe we, for the audience kind of like what an electric conversion is too. Yeah, sure, sure. So what we do, uh, and, and this is with Tembo, which is our electric conversion brand that sits under Vivo Power. Uh, what we do is we, we take uh, both new as well as secondhand uh, utility vehicles, um, aka pickup trucks, uh, and uh, we take out the ICE infrastructure, so whether it's diesel or petrol inside, and replace it with uh, an EV powertrain. Uh, 
Uh, and, you know, the, the reason we, uh, I mean, candidly stumbled into this area is that uh, through another business of ours, uh, we had, uh, you know, a range of uh, mining sector uh, clients uh, that started to reach out and inquire about uh, whether we were able to do, you know, conversions of their utility vehicle fleets. And that that was around 2017, 2018. And so that was the start of the journey that led us to this, you know, segment of the market, uh, which spans, <clears throat> excuse me, off-road as well as on-road uh, vehicles. Uh, and uh, uh, the reason we do this is that if you think about utility vehicles or pickup trucks, they're inherently built to last. You know, they're, they're very durable, uh, you know, models such as the Toyota Land Cruiser. There's the famous saying that uh, a Land Cruiser never dies. And indeed, uh, if you look at most utility vehicles that are used by fleet owners around the world, they tend to have a second life, in some cases, a third life where they'll start off, say, in Western Europe, and then they'll end up in uh, Central Europe, and then they'll end up in Africa. And so they'll last for you know 12 to 15 years on average. And if you replace the ICE architecture with an EV powertrain kit, as a fleet owner, you can extend the useful life of that uh, of that utility vehicle, which is you know which is attractive, not just from a uh, environmental perspective, but also uh, from a, from an economic perspective as well. So, how is it? Uh, how does it pencil out that it it actually is more efficient or profitable to swap out a an internal combustion engine for for an electric powertrain? Um, what? How does that pencil out? How much does it cost, I guess, is the first thing to, to do a conversion? Yeah, good question. So it ranges from, uh, depending on the use case, you know, anywhere from 50,000 US dollars uh, to, in some cases, uh, 150,000. Uh, so for example, if it's going into an underground mine where it needs to be reinforced, ruggedized, and customized to a whole nother level, you know, in order to be able to operate effectively and safely underground, uh, that that can be, you know, significantly more expensive. Whereas if it's being used uh, for a sort of construction site, then then it's a lot a lot cheaper. Uh, the elephant in the room question that uh, we get asked a lot is that, well, why why wouldn't people just buy a new vehicle, a new electric, uh, you know, utility vehicle instead? Uh, there, are, there are basically three reasons. So number one is that um, at present, you know, there's anywhere from a two to three year waiting list uh, to get your hands on uh, on not just uh, electric vehicles, but some of the more popular utility vehicles, uh, including, you know, some of the models I, I mentioned, such as the Land Cruiser. Uh, number two is, uh, you know, from a fleet owner's perspective, and especially if the company that they represent has built in an internal carbon price uh, for emissions, uh, the total cost of ownership makes sense to convert a vehicle, especially if it's been fully depreciated to electric rather than just 
you know, simply buy, buy a new one. Uh, and the third reason is increasingly uh, there is an understanding amongst fleet owners that uh, with electric vehicles, there's significantly more, uh, significantly less repairs and maintenance, you know, required. So if you take a, you know, a great chassis uh, in the form of a pickup truck that's inherently durable and replace it with an EV powertrain, uh, you're going to be able to significantly reduce your repairs and maintenance bill, you know, going forward. Uh, and, you know, you don't necessarily need to wait for uh, the newest uh, EV pickup truck, which, you know, will cost a premium to get in, especially in this, in, in this environment. Well, I guess another reason that uh, you kind of may not have hit on was that uh, a lot of companies have, goals and commitments to to go net zero and i assume this is a is a positive uh you know net positive to them in terms of reaching that goal correct very much so very much so you know and um you know net zero targets amongst uh corporates you know span from you know 2030 to 2050 most sort of triangular triangulate around the uh, 2040 to 2050 uh, zone. Um, I, I would say though that um, whilst net zero targets and wanting to you know help contribute to reducing carbon emissions is a very significant and very powerful driver. When it comes to the crunch, uh, most corporates uh, you know are um, have, have a fiduciary duty to sort of maximize profits and reduce costs. So. In order to convert uh, them to be a customer, we, we often find that we've got to be able to demonstrate both green from an environmental perspective, but also green from a dollar's perspective as far as savings uh, you know, uh, are concerned. Well, it's great that you can do both because obviously if you can uh, show them that it is economically viable and is a good business decision, then it's a win-win scenario. And hopefully we can have more of those win-win scenarios set up for businesses to do the right thing and also to be profitable or even more profitable as a result of making the right decision. So um, kudos to exactly. you and your company. Kudos to you and your company for setting up that so that uh, companies can do both. Um, we're going to take a break right now and we'll be back in just a minute to talk to Kevin Chin, CEO of Vivo Power, about uh, the many things that his company is doing to uh, help his customers achieve net zero and do it in a profitable way. We'll be right back. Listen to a climate change. This is Matt Mattern. I've got Kevin Chin, CEO of Vivo Power, on the program. And uh, Kevin was telling us a little bit about uh, the work that he does with electric conversions of off-road and on-road fleet vehicles. Uh, you also, Kevin, had some uh, things listed on the company website that you work on: solar systems, battery technology, microgrids, 
Um, tell us a little bit about those areas uh, that the company is working on. Sure, Matt. Uh, so uh, we've always obviously spoken a bit about uh, Tembo, which is the electric uh, conversion company. Uh, so we do provide uh, all these uh, ancillary solutions that uh, complement what we do uh, on the EV conversion front. And uh, so from the perspective of a, a large uh, fleet owner, uh, the decision to convert that fleet to electric is, is not simply one uh, that can be made without considering, for example, their power infrastructure on site. And this is what we do by critical power uh, segments of, of, and to re-architect, if you will, uh, the power infrastructure to include, uh, for example, a microgrid, uh, a renewable power component, whether that's solar and or, or wind or some other power source. Uh, in addition to that, um, we offer uh, training solutions because uh, driving uh, an electric vehicle, especially off-road, is a very different experience. Uh, there's a lot more talk with uh, electric vehicles. So from a safety perspective, it's it's very important um, that uh, the workforce is properly trained uh, in, in that regard. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we offer these uh, solutions part of a holistic package, which we call, you know, the Viva Power Sustainable Energy Solution. So in terms of uh, what percentage of the revenue is uh, coming from the Tembo or part of the company, the electric conversions, and uh, how much of the revenue stream is coming from other pieces of the company? So as, as a percentage of uh, total revenues, you know, Tembo is, is relatively small at the moment, uh, under 2.5%. Uh, that being said, though, uh, Tembo has uh, orders and commitments uh, from corporates around the world uh, that total in excess of uh, 13,000 conversion kits. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, an estimated value in excess of a billion dollars. So that will become the major uh, revenue contributed to the company over the next five years. So 13,000 conversion kits is, uh, is totaling approximately a billion dollars in revenue? Just over a billion dollars in revenue, correct, um, over the next five years. Okay. Well, that uh, will be substantial growth in revenue for the company, I guess. Yes. And the, the challenge is, uh, is ensuring we're able to deliver uh, sustainably. So in terms of uh, are you uh, producing the batteries in-house or are you buying the batteries for the electric conversions and the electric motors from third-party vendors and assembling them or how do you how does uh, tembo uh, make this happen we do source our batteries from third-party partners and suppliers as well as uh, other components uh, and we you know assemble them and integrate them uh, what is, uh, I guess, IP and trade secrets uh, for us are uh, some of the hardware uh, elements that uh, we have created internally uh, to effectively integrate, um, you know, various elements. Uh, and uh, there's also software that we've built uh, that's uh, proprietary to us uh, as well. Okay. Um 
Tell us a little bit about Vivo Power being a B Corporation. A, what is a B Corporation? And uh, why did you decide to go that route? Yeah, good question. So a, a B Corporation is uh, is an entity that, uh, and uh, they're governed uh, by a body called B Lab, which is a nonprofit. Uh, and the, the biggest uh, uh, differentiator of a B Corp is um, an attestation uh, that's codified in the memorandum and articles or constitution of the company to not just deliver uh, for the benefit of shareholders, uh, but to uh, deliver and operate for the benefit of all stakeholders. Uh, and the B Corp mantra is uh, the triple bottom line, which is uh, people, planet, and profit. Uh, so it goes beyond, I guess, shareholder primacy and uh, embraces uh, stakeholders uh, beyond shareholders. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the thinking is that uh, uh, in doing so, uh, actually it uh, creates better value for shareholders, you know, in the long term. How so? Yeah, so let me give you an example, which uh, we, we talk about internally a lot uh, at the company, which is, you know, the Boeing 737 MAX, which uh, I think everyone knows the, the story there now, where uh, in essence, uh, what happened was, uh, uh, I guess, a, a rush by Boeing to uh, produce a model uh, and get it into operations and, and sell it uh, globally uh, to compete with Airbus. And um, because of that uh, uh, focus on short-term profits and uh, what uh, uh, shareholders you know, in the short term wanted, uh, decisions were made uh, that compromised safety and ended up costing, you know, costing the company, you know, billions. Um, and uh, there's still remnants of that in terms of reputational damage and brand damage. Um, and uh, we do see this a lot as well in, in actually the EV space uh, where companies uh, rush out uh, too quickly uh, and uh, feel pressured by uh, a short-term shareholder uh, objectives uh, and make decisions which are not optimal. Well, that's a, that's a fascinating conversation. We're going to pick know, it up in just one minute. And we're going to talk to Kevin Chin, uh, CEO of Vivo Power, about B Corporations and uh, if that might be the wave of the future. We'll be back in just one minute. Listening to a climate change. This is Matt Mattern. I've got Kevin Chin, CEO of Vivo Power. Uh, Kevin, we were just talking about B corporations and how they are to be for the benefit of all stakeholders, people, planet, and profit. Uh, it kind of flies in the face of traditional uh, corporate behavior. Milton Friedman was a proponent of that the shareholders are really the only 
people that a corporation should be concerned of. And I think that that um, emphasis over the last 50 plus years has has hurt the the planet in so many ways because as you said many corporations are focused too much on the short-term profit and not the long-term costs of um you know the externalities of hurting the planet because pollution wasn't priced into that model basically a lot of companies felt and acted as if uh the repercussions related to the polluting of the planet were essentially free and they didn't they didn't care to reduce their pollution because that would cost money and reduce their profits so um do you see other a lot of other companies going in that direction or are you kind of out there on your own uh you're exactly right man you know Friedman was the was the inflection point about fifty years ago. That's you know driven this uh, uh, shareholder primacy focus, if you will, and um, I guess coupled with uh, a structural decline in interest rates over the last thirty years and you know mass financialization of, of assets, uh, we've seen this you know increasing myopia you know, when it comes to corporate behavior and, and shareholder behavior, um, you know, everyone wants everything now. Uh, uh, with respect to B Corp itself, no, no, we're not alone, which is, which is great. Um, I, I first learned about B Corp uh, in 2016. Uh, and so back then it was growing at a, uh, now, uh, there are over 6,000 companies that are B Corps and, and some very large ones uh, uh, have uh, have embraced B Corp. Uh, and uh, I do know for a fact that, you know, B Lab is, is struggling with the weight of uh, how many companies want to become uh, B Corps. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the accreditation process is, is very tough. Uh, I say it's, uh, it's like ISO 9001 on steroids. Uh, and so uh, the good news is that, you know, more and more companies, uh, large ones included, are embracing this uh, uh, this movement. And I think, you know, a catalyst for that was uh, Larry Fink's uh, famous letter to uh, shareholders and uh, the world at large in 2019, you know, calling for a, a more sustainable approach to uh, to how companies operate. Well, it's uh, it's about time. Uh, hopefully, it's not too late for us. So, tell us um, some of the things that you know you think will be the catalyst for hitting the net zero goal by 2050. Uh, do you see us being able to hit that goal, and and how do you think it's going to be achieved? I think it's going to be a challenge, you know, from where we sit today. That's that's my personal, you know, opinion. Uh, but it's not uh, not unachievable. Uh, there's a lot more action that's that's required. Uh, when you when you ask about catalysts, I, I think one that's not often talked about is the uh, the the increase, you know, and it's quite exponential in climate litigation that's happening. Uh, and being directed at uh, large corporates, 
especially in some of the extraction industries that we, you know, we try to help and, and work with. Uh, so that I think will be increasingly powerful as a catalyst uh, to uh, to large corporates, you know, embracing and being serious about uh, hitting net zero targets. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's not un unachievable, but uh, a lot more needs to happen uh, from, you know, many corporates uh, around the world. Uh, but, you know, the good news is we, we definitely do see that it's not simply lip service anymore. You know, uh, the companies we work with are, are very, very serious about hitting their, their net zero targets. Uh, well, I also note that you've got a U.S. subsidiary called uh, Carrot Digital, which engages in Power 2X strategy. Can you explain uh, uh, Power 2X and what Carrot Digital does? Yes, yes. So uh, Carrot Digital owns um, uh, solar uh, farms, you know, basically solar development sites, uh, and uh we pivoted strategy to power to x you know two two years ago so power to x is uh is in essence uh vertical integration of renewable power by industries that are heavy power users and uh, that can be anything from ammonia production to hydrogen uh to you know more recently bitcoin mining uh and uh the the reason why we we uh, pivoted strategy with respect to our solar portfolio in the U.S. was uh, when we started to get approached uh, by Bitcoin miners, you know, seeking to either acquire our sites uh, and or to partner with us uh, to build renewable powered uh, data centers uh, to mine uh, to mine uh, uh, Bitcoin. Uh, so. Uh, that that was happening, you know, up till the the, the crypto winter, which uh, which obviously came into play about a year ago now. Uh, but more recently, what what we've seen happen is uh, we're getting approached by uh, uh, data center uh, developers, you know, seeking to build out uh, uh, high performance data centers for AI computing. Uh, and there's obviously been an explosion of uh, interest in AI post uh, ChatGPT uh, launching, and and given the S curve of uh, GPT 4.0 as well. Uh, and what's uh, perhaps not really well understood at the moment is that uh, uh, AI computing is significantly more power intensive than than even Bitcoin mining. Uh, so we see these. Uh, uh, assets that we have as very strategic and uh you know we want to be partnering with the right people in terms of uh creating value and executing on that uh, power to x strategy i guess i'm i'm fully behind the creating renewable power um that uh, helps uh you know create uh, green hydrogen uh, i'm less uh, enthused about bitcoin mining but uh you know I, as i don't see that as being such a societal good but uh i guess uh, I, I realize there are a lot of people out there that are that are doing bitcoin mining it just to me doesn't seem like the greatest use of our power to to mine 
for coins. So what's your thinking on that one? Yeah, it's a very, uh, very controversial and uh, very robust area for uh, dinner discussions and debate. So it's, it's a it's a great question, uh, Matt. Uh, uh, my, my view is uh, I'm I'm agnostic with respect to you know crypto mining. Uh, I think uh, one of the benefits that perhaps is is again not talked about as as much is that renewable power spills. So in particular solar, because uh, you know, and, and what's happening in countries where there's been a large uh, solar build out in Australia included is that solar farms obviously generate a lot of power during the day and uh, less so, you know, at, uh, and not at, at night. Uh, and so uh, it creates significant intermittent uh, power dynamics, which, uh, which affects the grid. So, you know, Bitcoin is a way to you know, absorb that excess power and turn it into basically a financial battery, if you will, which which can be monetized. And then, you know, if the proceeds of that are used in the right way for the benefit of society, then then that's great. If it's not used in the right way, then you're absolutely right. It's you know, it's not um, it, it's not a a value creating uh, process. And and certainly, you know, compared with uh, you know green hydrogen, ostensibly it's it it, it it's a less noble uh, use case, uh, if you will. Having said that, though, there's a lot of and this is a whole topic for another conversation. There's a lot of conjecture over green hydrogen, and you know the amount of capital expenditure that needs to be invested uh, to enable green hydrogen to be produced. And whether you know the carbon footprint of of that capex you know far outweighs uh, the carbon savings from green hydrogen is still a live debate uh, at, at present. Well, certainly fascinating questions. Uh, we'll be right back in just one minute uh, talking to Kevin Chin, uh, who is uh, the CEO of Vivo Power. We'll be right back and talk to Kevin about uh, green hydrogen and and uh, crypto. Listen to a climate change. I've got Kevin Chen of Vivo Power, CEO there. Uh, we were just talking, Kevin, about uh, the weighing the the pros and cons of Bitcoin versus producing green hydrogen with the solar power that uh, is in excess of what is used by the grid. And I guess I'd kind of be pushing more for green hydrogen uh, and pushing it in that direction. Uh, you did mention a question as to how much capital expenditure we need to go to a green hydrogen economy. I kind of see that green hydrogen is the cleanest way to go in the future and that that we should be building out that infrastructure. Yes, it will have a cost to it, but in the long term, if we can create enough green hydrogen, that is to me, the gold standard for powering um, 
our economy going forward because it has virtually no pollution in uh, the creation of uh, the energy that we need to run the economy. It's it's a view it's a view shared by by many governments, uh, Matt, uh, and uh, and and you know another reason for it is uh, energy independence as well. You know, basically anywhere that has access to a body of water uh, and uh, sufficient landmass, you know, can uh, can be a a site for you know for producing green hydrogen. Uh, as we speak today, the economics of green hydrogen do not stack up without government subsidies. Uh, so uh, there, there does need to be significant investment, significant subsidiaries, you know, provided by governments, you know, in order to motivate and mobilize uh, the build out of you know green hydrogen plants. Uh, that said, though, you know, these these subsidies are coming. You, you would know the, the situation in the U.S. very well, you know, especially with the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, but also other countries like the U.K. And, and also, for that matter, Australia are, are pushing hard with respect to uh, green hydrogen. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, we, we, we have a number of very seasoned uh EV experts that are ex-Tesla, ex-Rivian within our team, and they tend to be more skeptical about green hydrogen, particularly in relation to it being a, a source of fuel for, for the transport sector. Um, and I think that's really driven by, by this equation of, you know, is, is the capex that's required actually more carbon intensive than the cumulative savings in carbon you would get from green hydrogen. Um, that that equation obviously can change, you know, over time as 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 capex costs you know, decline. Well, that's I. There's a, you know, there's a goal that the U.S. government has to bring the cost of hydrogen down to one dollar per kilogram, and uh, some, you know processes are getting closer to that goal. I don't know if uh, you're aware of what, you know, the price of green hydrogen would be in in Australia at this point in time. Green hydrogen in Australia is uh, prohibitively expensive at the moment uh, in Australia. So uh, depending on, you know, where you are uh, in Australia, it's it's anywhere from three to four dollars you know a kilo uh so you know a a lot more needs to happen with respect to cost of electrolyzers uh but um you know i I would i would bet that that cost curve you know will come down so this is a i think this is a very much an economic inflection point game where at some point it, it does inflect and it does you know become economic but in order to get there, it needs to get to that critical mass and it needs that uh, government impetus from a subsidies perspective to, as mentioned, you know, motivate and mobilize that, that CapEx uh, spend. Now, uh, critical power service uh, business in Australia, what does that do and how does it help uh, with regard to the overall mission of Vivo Power? Yeah, so that business uh, traditionally and, and still does, you know, provide, uh, in essence, backup power. 
you know, for data centers, for mines, for agriculture, you know, farms uh, and the likes. And you know, Australia's got a very large landmass, uh, and uh, 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 these these type of you know critical power requirements are, are pronounced. Um, that business is pivoting more and more towards uh, providing clean backup power. Uh, and so increasingly we're seeing our customers there want uh, uh, green energy as opposed to, you know, diesel-based uh, generators, uh, which, are, you know, are the traditional uh, form of, uh, of backup generation. Uh, so, uh the growth from that business we see as as being able to be one of the leaders and the pioneers in providing uh, renewable based backup power. Uh, battery storage costs are still a little bit too high for mass adoption, but um, within the next two to three years, we expect that to change. And in addition to that, uh, what that business has started doing as well is. Uh, uh, help to build out uh, charging infrastructure, uh, not just for public utility, but also for fleet owners that may have depots and uh, and specific sites where they uh, house uh, their electric fleets. Um, so, again, that's that's a form of you know critical power that's that's essential in in the new grid architecture or new energy architecture going forward. So uh, where is Vivo Power going in the next uh, few years? You're you're an investor and CEO of this company, and uh, how do you see the trajectory uh, headed? Where is it headed next? It's certainly been a nonlinear journey, Matt. Uh, to be candid, it's uh, you know as as with uh, smaller, earlier stage companies, there's a lot of volatility to to navigate. Uh, uh, that said, you know, I, I honestly haven't had as much fun, and I'm, I'm really sort of fueled by the, um, the mission, if you will, on this. Um, and you know, to build something that's uh, enduring, that's sustainable uh, for the long term, and you know, helps to make a make a small dent um, in the uh, in the climate change issue we we have globally. Uh, so uh, we've got. Uh, a lot of growth, particularly through our EV business, uh, Tembo. Uh, and then by virtue of that, we, we see that very much as the the Trojan horse, which will activate all the other elements of the Viva Power business, you know, critical power, power to X. Uh, and um, uh, we very much uh, as a team want to build this out to be a great, uh, impactful and sustainable global company. So how how many employees does uh, Vivo uh, currently have? We have around uh, 160 globally at the moment. Okay. And what what's your, you know, what's your projection as far as where it will be maybe in a year or two years, five years? So in terms of our five-year goals, you know, looking at this from a people profit planet lens, you know, in terms of jobs created uh we expect to be north of a thousand roles uh and a thousand people in five years time uh in terms of uh revenues and profits uh you know based on what we have uh today 
Uh, we expect to be north of a billion dollars uh, revenue-wise, north of a hundred million dollars um, in terms of uh, pre-tax uh, profits. Uh, and then from a planet perspective, uh, as far as um, contributing to uh, reducing uh, carbon emissions, uh, you know, each um, each vehicle that we convert uh, saves around. 50 metric tons of CO2 emissions. So if we get up to uh, 100,000 uh, vehicles converted in five years time, uh, then that translates into you know about 5 million metric tons of CO2 uh, that we've helped to take out of the uh, take out of the world. Well that's a that's a great goal and we certainly wish you well and and getting getting to that goal and and exceeding it and you know having a great uh, business um that benefits the environment as well as uh, benefits the the um the shareholders as well because i think that's probably the way we have to to um design our world going forward is to have both something that is profitable as well as something that benefits the environment so that it is truly sustainable because if we have only things that benefit the environment, but they cost so much that they drive us into bankruptcy, that is not sustainable in, in the, you know, the practical way of the world. So, um, Thanks, Kevin Chin, CEO of Vivo Power, for being on the program. Everybody, uh, as listeners, check out Vivo Power's website to see the exciting work they're doing. Um, any uh, final comments for us, Kevin? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Matt, again, for uh, inviting me onto the show. And it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you and uh, some, some great uh, topics there. Um, just, uh, perhaps as a, as a final note, uh, uh, it's, it's not mutually exclusive to be able to deliver on, you know, shareholder value and profits as well as to be able to, uh, contribute to reduction in carbon emissions and, you know, create sustainable jobs. And, uh, I think there's, there's many examples of that among some of our larger B Corp peers, uh, and, uh, you know, we hope to emulate some of those that that have become, you know, huge uh, uh, corporations that uh, do do good with with their business practices. Uh, so, well, uh, I, I certainly hope the same for you. Everybody, uh, follow us on your social media channels like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go to our website at climatechange.com. Leave us comments and feedback, questions. Tell us uh, any topics, guests, or questions you'd like to to ask our guests yeah. and leave comments on our uh, climate change website. Um, and please go ask, uh, you know, have people go out to Apple music and Spotify and give us a review. And in the coming week, go out there and take some action to improve our environment. Talk to your elected officials, volunteer and uh, help make our world a better place and uh, ultimately be the change uh, we want to see in the world. So thank everyone for listening. Tune in next week and uh, check out our website at climatechange.com. We look forward to having you listen in next week. This is Matt Mattern. Goodbye for now. We can change the world if we